0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Remain standing for a prayer. Father, we do thank you for the power of the risen Lord Jesus. And we thank you too for the power of your word. And we pray that by your spirit who inspired scripture, you will make that word live to us so that we may go out from this service to live and work to your praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I came uh, to this service with a sort of strange mixture of emotions. The first one was wondering what I was going to say to Andrew about the test match. I had a, a long meditation, whether to say anything at all, but uh, as you guess, uh, we're feeling rather triumphant. Though I must confess, when I left our home to walk here, uh, there was 200 for nine. They were still in. So it's just possible they've had a last-week stand of 400, and we may not win, but I think the chances are remote. So I'm here with a, a spirit of uh, counselling condolence to it. The other, the other feeling was we just come back, Moritz and I, from a trip down to Harold Wood and various people down there are ex Fulwood people. They send their greetings to an ex curate of theirs who happens to be vicar of this parish and they asked how he was doing and I pointed out oh, on the whole, pretty well. So our granddaughters are getting married at Harold Wood and uh, we were delighted to be there. Only just back, that's kind about the score because I was, we were able to listen to the test match d- my son driving us back. Up the motorway, and well, the emotion. The other emotion always on this kind of Sunday is we get withdrawal symptoms about the Keswick Convention. I don't know, It's great to see so many people here tonight because a number of folk from Fulwood in Keswick uh, tonight, uh, very considerable. Gareth reckoned he, he could do more of his, more of his pastoral work in Keswick than he could in Fulwood tonight because there are a lot of our young people taking the youth, youth work at Keswick. And those who don't know, I was involved in that great Keswick Convention for many many years. So this time of the year thoughts and prayers are with them as I'm sure with us. Well we want to turn to Psalm 1 please if you have that in front of you and uh, it's a great psalm, there's a series of summer psalms happening the Psalter is the uh, hymn book of the Old Testament it's interesting really how, how things have changed actually for a younger generation even the word hymn book is a strange kind of thing, hymn books have almost disappeared from our pews, we do it differently when I was first ordained, the hymn book we all used was ancient and modern. You wouldn't believe it. It was very ancient then. What it's like now, I have no idea. But ancient and modern was what we sang from. And, uh, but, of course, then there were the psalms. There was a long period where we chanted psalms. Do you remember chanting psalms? When I was a young curate training in Liverpool Cathedral... My age is such that Liverpool Cathedral was new uh, when I was ordained. If you go to Liverpool, that cathedral, uh, we're one of the first people to be ordained, I think, in that cathedral. And we had to learn how to chant. And we would have to walk up and down the cathedral while an organist with the extraordinary name of Mr. Goss Custard, can you imagine a name like that? Mr. Goss Custard sat at the organ stool and gave you a note, and you walked up and down and you chanted. I remember with, with, I hope, due humility that he leant over one day and said Mr Hacking, that was really quite splendid perhaps one day, if you continue like that you may become a precentor in a cathedral like this to which I remember I said I don't think I chanted, but I said God forbid <laughs> which mercifully he has so all us. I have great respect for... I'm sure precenters do a marvellous job. But I, that was not my job in life. And I had a very fulfilled ministerial life. Still have, up to a point. And then we had ten years in Scotland... where they sang metrical psalms. They sang metrical psalms. Did you, do, did you do Latin at school? If you did Latin at school, do you understand metrical psalms. They always put the verb at the end. Nothing so simple as, I will lift my eyes to the hills. I to the hills, my eyes will lift. It makes it more interesting. You have to sort of work out the verb... But the psalm we're looking at tonight is the psalm, as in the new international version, which you now have in front of you, so much by way of of, of introduction, I'm just sort of getting myself back in the mood again, having been dashing up and down a motorway. And we're going to look at this Psalm 1, which is is a tremendous psalm. Psalm 1 and Psalm 150, the two psalms. I notice in in the notes it just says Philip Hacking preaching on the Psalms, and just says, Psalm. So uh, if you're explaining to preach on all the 150, I'm not going to do that. But Psalm 1 and Psalm 150 are the kind of beginning and ending of the Psalter, and they're both on this great note of praise. Psalm 150 asks everybody to praise God, that great Psalm. But Psalm 1, which introduces the Psalter, is a very interesting one. It's still very much this note of uh, praise and thanksgiving. will you notice how in verse 2... The happiness of verse 1 becomes the delight of verse 2 and the delight of verse 2 is in the law of the Lord. That is the word of God at the heart of it. And the joy we should get in worship it's not just we enjoy singing some do and some don't. And some some folk who don't sing don't enjoy singing spoil it for those who do never mind Uh, we all uh, have a differing view about uh, how we get on with worship. But all of us in church should be Concerned to have a delight in the word of the Lord, which should inspire our singing, whether we like singing or we don't like singing. So this psalm has at its heart the idea of the word and spirit. There's also another note in this psalm. The psalms are very much psalms of creation. They have a lot to do with the glory of God's world. And there's a great deal in, in the psalm. You go through them, but heaven's declaring the glory of God and the firmament showing his handiwork. And there, that lovely picture of creation in verse 3 is like a tree planted by the streams of water. Beautiful poetry. Some years ago, I was preaching in the Cotswolds, and uh, I was preaching over the weekend. And on a Sunday morning, my host came to give me a, bring me a cup of tea, and he pulled the curtains back, and he said to me, I don't suppose Philip, you see, you see anything quite like this in Sheffield, ignorant man. Uh, I I said to him very gently, "I said when I look through my window in my vicarage, I see something exactly like that." But thanks for the cup of tea. But I think people ought to be reminded, and when we do, it's a lovely picture, and there's the joy of it. But also, Psalm One has the note of harvest, and that's not quite so lovely. Psalm 1 has got the note of judgment and righteousness, perishing and living, the whole theme of harvest. And the psalms are very often uh, the note of harvest. Again, my last, my last reminiscence, uh, as, I, as this young curate who learned to chant in Liverpool Cathedral, I was curate at a church where we had a, a mother church and three daughter churches. And they all liked to sing... ...interminably we ploughed the fields and scatter... ...because they all had harvest Sundays on different Sundays. So from the middle of September to the middle of October... ...was one long harvest festival. Now, we ploughed the fields and scatters okay... ...but it does bore after a while. What was even worse is that curates were sent round to preach... ...so you had to get one harvest sermon for the year. And interestingly, if you take the word harvest in Scripture... ...and we're coming to harvest fairly soon now... ...you take harvest in Scripture... It's often to do with judgment. The summer is past, the harvest is ended, and we are not saved. The book of the Revelation is about a solemn harvest, and this psalm is a reminder of two ways, a way of fruitfulness and a way of perishing. So may I just look with you at three ways this psalm 1 speaks. Setting the psalms, setting our hymns. Notice in verses 1 to 3 the way to become a success, in spiritual terms, verses 1 to 3. First, what to avoid. If you notice, it begins with what we don't do. Now, Christianity is a positive way of life. But there's also an inevitably a negative. The story of the book of Genesis starts with a negative. You may eat of any of the tree except, except, except. And when you tell people that's the bit, you know, you, you, you must not touch that. There's always an awful bit about wants to do it. Did you, when you were at school, they, they, they tell you when you were studying certain passages, please omit verses, uh, pages 27 to 29. You knew they had the ju- juicy bits in them. So you always went to read pages 26 to 29 if you were awkward like me. Uh, because you, if it says don't do it, you want to do it. But there's a kind of negative in the book of Genesis and the negative is here. Who is the happy man in verse 1? Is the man who doesn't do walking Standing, sitting. Please note how they move on. Walking, standing, sitting. You're getting nearer. You're belonging more. Will you notice the, other, the nouns? Counsel, way, seat. Again, you're getting nearer. And the three nouns about wickedness. Wicked, sinners, mockers. Recently, I avoid too much political talk from the pulpit, but I've been watching, listening to the words of the Coalition, Mr Cameron in particular, uh, and on the same-sex issue. And when it comes to the way in which they treat those of us who stand firm on biblical principles, we are are mocked, frankly. We are mocked. We're the old guard. We are people of another age and generation. We're not to be taken seriously. I hope you know that and I hope if you're involved in party politics you mention to your party political leaders that we are still here and we are not just the negatives. But you see inevitably mocking is what we can expect. It will get more and more mockery of those who dare to believe what the Bible means by fruitfulness and success. So uh, we are to uh, avoid certain things and we, we are to expect that we, there is a wrong a, a, a a long progression. I always think the person who symbolises Psalm 1 and verse 2, verse 1 and 2, is the character called Lot. Remember the story of Lot in the Old Testament? Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. He knew that Sodom was a wicked city. He knew that Sodom was a place where practising homosexuality was the norm. Our world, nothing changes. And he pitched his tent towards it. But Lot thought, I will get towards it, but I won't belong. And the next time you find him, he's in Sodom, the heart of it. And then he's sitting in the seat. He's actually one of the rulers. He's one of the leaders of Sodom. And when finally Sodom is destroyed in God's judgment, he has to be dragged out by the skin of his teeth. And his wife perishes in the awful judgment. He started by pitching his tent. Finish by right to the heart of it and I believe these verses which tell us what to avoid are a reminder that in the world in which we live how easily we move from one to the other. I want to encourage you there is a lovely book written by a great Chinese Christian called Watchman Nee who suffered a lot under communist regime Watchman Nee has a book called Sit Walk Stand and if you uh, Look at this Look at this verse. He's not dealing with it. He's actually dealing with the opposite of this. It's a study in the epistle of the Ephesians. And when you get to the Ephesians, it's the whole first two chapters are about how you sit and enjoy the blessings of God. Then the chapter's all about how you walk. And then the final chapter's about how you stand and having done all to stand. Now this verse in the Psalms reminds us that if we would avoid going in the walking towards it, standing in it, sitting in it, then one day we might be able to enjoy the sitting with the people of God and the walking as people of God and the standing firm. And I long for our nation to begin to turn in that direction. So for us, it means that, first of all, we are what we are to to avoid. Then in verse 2, what we are to enjoy... It's not just avoiding, it's enjoying. Notice that phrase in verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, I'll be honest, when I get up in the morning, it's my time to study the Bible. I don't necessarily shout, hooray, and rush downstairs. and get, No, I don't, I don't rush downstairs for a very obvious reason. We live in a flat. I've forgotten, yes, anyway, there we are. So I don't rush downstairs. But we, uh, I don't suddenly get up and get the Bible and say, how exciting. But I do want to testify that I don't think many days have passed. You can, test, you can ask my wife to test in my life that I haven't given time with my Bible in front of me. And I find in that great delight, it does sadden me that there are many churchgoers who spend much more time with the daily newspaper than they do with the Word of God. So they get disillusioned or they get hooked up The delight in the law of the Lord. And that verse in verse 2, on his law, he meditates day and night. An interesting word, meditate. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, which is shorthand for saying I don't know any Hebrew. but I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Uh, But I am told by the experts that the word in verse 2, meditate, is the very same word you get in Psalm 2, verse 1, the people's plot in vain. Meditate. Plot, same word, and therefore there ought to be, for Christians, an enjoyment in the word of God that we actually spend time with it, don't just have a desultory look at it, let's spend time with it, and plot with it. Uh, I've already had sort of uh, three generations where I've uh, expressed my joy in uh, the the book's about Just William. Did you read Just William when you were a child? Perhaps not. Just William. As a kid, I enjoyed reading Just William. Great fun. Then I enjoyed teaching my children Just William, reading it to them. I, I couldn't normally read it because the tears of laughter were rolling down my cheeks, but I tried. I've done it with my grandchildren. Now I've got two great-grandchildren. I haven't yet got round to giving them Just William. But who, who was William? He was a lad who loved to plot he was, it was great fun. He, he thought out great ideas, and it, it, was, it was exciting. He plotted. I want to think, no, you're not going to like just William, but I long to see amongst the people of God a new joy in taking the word of God and plotting as to what can we do with it. How can I be a better Christian? How can it change my life? How can we, in this neighborhood, make the word of God more real? How can we? in our nation make a stand and yet do it as it were almost joyfully we shouldn't be miserable practicing Christians we should be joyfully meditative plotting practical Christians ponder that and see what it makes this is summertime, so give yourself time over the summer to be a just William for God that is to meditate and to plot what to avoid, what to enjoy and then in verse 3 what to expect if I delight in the law of the Lord, if I don't walk in the counsel of the wicked then I can expect to be like a tree planted with by streams of water. That's the, the lovely picture in a drought ridden world of a fertile land bearing fruit for God and it's the that's the success we're talking about. Now do you this is the time of exam and exam results. Uh, the teenagers are elsewhere, mostly tonight. But the teenagers are here with exam results coming out next week or the week after. Of course, you pray. I you're doing exams and you pray. I hope you was a Christian. Uh, I used to have a ponder because I used to I used to play a lot of cricket, and I used to ponder whether I could really pray that I might get a big score at cricket. It, you know, when I took guard and said middle and leg to the umpire, did I say a, a quick prayer to the Almighty, please, Lord? Well, I did actually, but didn't do me much good. So I, I, I became an atheist at the wicked, but uh, only, at, only at the wicked, but at the wicked. But be, pray for success. The success it promises here is yielding fruit. Verse three: the leaf not withering. Whatever he does, prosper. May, if we, if we may be allowed, Martin, may be allowed just a, a, personal note. It was a joy this weekend to be with the family to see our children, our grandchildren. Going on with the Lord, serving the Lord in different ways. Nothing gives you greater joy than that. That's, that's super. And it, I know life is hard and some of us don't have that joy for all sorts of reasons. I hope it's a great prayer that you will. But the success we should long for is that kind of success. With exam results coming out, there are too many parents who are more concerned about their children getting on than getting up. Exam results are rather more important to some people, than spiritual well-being. Nice to get them both together. But what we can expect is we can expect good success. This kind of fruitfulness, fertility. The way to become a success. Then secondly, in verses 4 and 5, the way to become straw. You notice that it's not so the wicked, they're like chaff. In the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about building on the foundation Either the foundation of Christ, you either build gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay. The stuff doesn't last. And the challenge here is that too many of us are like the chaff. Not so the wicked, they're like chaff, the wind blows away. Two simple thoughts about the way to become straw, emptiness now, and collapse then. See, the chaff is empty. It blows here and there. In the New Testament, Ephesians talks about the futility of, our, of the mind of unbelievers, that it's all empty. And frankly, you know, when I read the papers, which I do, it's good to keep what's happening in the world, the emptiness of our society is awesome. We live in a very empty world. And the Christians have got something very positive to offer. It's like the chaff which the wind blows away, and then not only emptiness now, but collapse then. Therefore, the wicked will not stand to the day of judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. There will be uh, a moment when uh, it will all be sorted out. I am. Um, I did ponder, as I obviously come towards the end of my preaching of this pulpit, I, I thought I might one day, I'm not going to do it, you'd be glad to know, I could put down all the anecdotes that I've done over the years, the, the hacking anecdotes in the full pulpit. There are those in the congregation who so do keep, keep a, a list of them, and they remind me, you've preached on that several times, that, that, that story. But the one that that I will just include today, which I've been up and down the motorway these last two days, being driven by other people, it used to always be, to me, the the, the great moment when you're you're driving on the motorway and you actually come to a bit of the motorway that's not yet built. These are the great moments. And you're driving along in great joy because uh, suddenly all the cars have gone And the tension rises, uh, the tension goes down, and you begin to sing and hum. You turn the radio on and get the latest cricket score. Life is, life is fine. There's only one snag, that lovely bit of road. There's no other cars on. It's not going anywhere. And sooner or later, you get a crunch under your wheel, and you realize that it's coming to a sticky end. Lovely bit of road, but going nowhere. And for many people, sadly, life is a bit like that. The only difference is, there is a way that seems right to a man, says the Proverbs, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We can't avoid that. There is an inevitable end. And the challenge to all of us, whatever age we are here, the challenge to all of us is, where is my road going? What constitutes happiness for me? Can I be honest that I'm going in that direction because the, the end is, not, is going to be life and not death? Well, the way to become a success, the way to become a straw, and let's find before we've gone with our communion service to look at the way to become sure. That's verse 6. Very straightforward. The Lord watches over the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. Two thoughts, two simple thoughts. Hear the Lord, trust the Lord, listen to God. The psalmist wants now to sum it all up. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There's the two roads. You may be going on a lovely stretch of road with lots of people, it's great fun, but it's not going anywhere. You may be going in a way that's a battle. It's hard always to be a Christian. Please, young people, don't you know, Don't believe older people when they give the impression that the old days were fine and it's all grim now. It was always a battle to be a Christian. And although moral standards have declined in many ways, as a teenager, I still have the battle as a youngster to dare to tell my peers that I was a Christian, that I believed. There's always a challenge, but at the end of the day... Uh, The way of the the righteous is the way that gives joy and hope. There are two ways only, not a third way. Hear the Lord. And finally, trust the Lord. In the Psalmists, in the Psalm 1 in the Book of Common Prayer, which we used to chant, going back to that, it says, The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The Lord knoweth. not that word? the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. See, that word know is important. The Bible's full of this idea, and it comes out in a lot of the the Psalms, they're doing Psalms. In a lot of the Psalms, we read about uh, the Lord knowing us. You know, he knows us. And in that uh, Sermon on the Mount, which I quote, we had a bit read to us this evening, in the Sermon on the Mount, there's the promise that If he knows us, then we have hope. That awesome moment when the Lord will have to say to many people, Depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. And what to me is the greatest joy? He knows me. He knows my way. And in the Bible, that word, know, is to do with a marriage bond. We just been to this very happy wedding. And this moment, two people in love, and they're Christian people, and they're committed to each other from now on. It's a different life. They're now united and they know each other in a way they didn't know before. They really know each other personally, intimately. And the challenge is that true of us. It's up to us to uh, make sure that we do know him and he knows us. And as you come to the communion rail, I do trust. We were talking about that in a moment, about communion but it is a place where the Lord wants to meet with us in a rather special way as we trust him. May I just say this, I finish. We're coming to the uh, season of the year when uh, harvest comes. It'll be here in a few weeks' time, no doubt. And when harvest comes, we have Tier Fund. I've been privileged to be involved in Tier Fund since Tier Fund was started. I walked the roads of London with George Hoffman, who was the founder of Tier Fund, and we talked together about what we should call this thing that he was so keen to do. And I was supporting him. And Tearfund came into being. And Tier Fund is a great organisation that cares for the spiritual and the physical. And when Tearfund or Christian Aid, when they want to depict... Have you noticed what they do? They give, quite rightly, some awful pictures of suffering people. The kind of picture... if you notice, on the television when they say... People are warned that some of the, some of the photography is, uh, is hard. If you, you know, it's hard to, to, to watch you know, uh, some very sort of difficult photography. And isn't it it's sad that we worry about people getting upset because they see dying people? And Tia and Christian Aid can show us people, children, starving, dying. But they find it hard to portray the other side of their work. How do I portray to you children who live in Fulwood, who've got all that they want, physically, mentally, educationally. People, their parents care for them deeply, but they can't be bothered to bring them to church. They can't be bothered to teach them how to pray. A great children evangelist whom I used to work with years ago had a great phrase. He said, there is no child so poor as a child for whom nobody is praying. and there are thousands of children in Sheffield who've got many, many things, but nobody cares and prays. They are poor children. How do you depict that to draw the attention of people and to lead people to pray and to give? So my challenge to myself as my challenge to you is that... uh, We want to be concerned about ourselves. Which way are we going? Have a new dedication as soon we should be leading to a new session in this church life. And although our days are limited, Marge and I, this church has been to us for so many years. We just want to pray that it will go on being a church which is built on the right, right foundation. That's why we read that bit from Matthew. In the days of old-fashioned choruses, do you remember the old-fashioned chorus? The wise man built his house upon the rock. It was sung ad nauseam by children. I can see it's not so well known nowadays. I could ask for a rendition from the congregation. Well, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house on the sand. And the, the, the trouble about that chorus, it, got, it gave the wrong message completely. You ask kids which house they preferred. It's the one that was built on sand because it collapsed and they clapped their hands and they stamped their feet and they shouted, yippee! Whereas a house on the rock was boring. It just stood and saved. And the challenge I think that comes to us is that we want to make it clear to people that uh, when we build our house on Christ, it's not only sure, it's exciting. But what was the wise man who built his house on the rock. He was the man who heard the word of God and did it. Please, be a wise man. Be a wise woman. And then the Bible promises true success, true security, true blessing. God bless you.